possess a record of certain events in which I took part on an island I will call Site B. Don't bring people halfway around the world to visit a zoo. You bring the zoo to them. After the accident in the park, Hurricane Carissa wiped out our facility on Site B. We had to evacuate, of course, and the animals were released to mature on the road. Hello and welcome to the Lost World Minute, the Minute by Minute podcast, reviewing the 1997 sequel to Jurassic Park, one minute at a time. My name's Brad, and joining me tonight from America, I have David. Hello, David. Hey, what's up? Oh, not a lot, not a lot. How are you? Not bad, not bad. Uh, very good. We have come together to uh, produce this little Minute by Minute podcast. Uh, David, are you familiar with the Minute by Minute format? I actually am not. If you wouldn't mind explaining it a little bit, it could be helpful. I actually got onto the uh, Minute by Minute podcast oh, a couple of months ago when um, the Jurassic Park Minute started up and uh, they suggested some other ones and now I've got four or five under my belt that I'm listening to on a daily basis. So, yeah, it's a good format, uh, especially looking at Jurassic Park. Um, you realise sort of you missed a lot of stuff, uh, found some new information out and uh, it was generally a good listen, so... That's why uh, that's why we've come together to uh, talk about our favourite film in the franchise. <laughs> I hope. Going back, going back to 1993. What were your initial thoughts? Um, did you see Jurassic Park in the theatres? Was it a later later viewing for you? Well, considering I was only a couple months old at the time, I'm afraid I didn't get to see it in the theatres. But I was first introduced to the Jurassic Park movie in 1996, and then. Again, and then obviously the Lost World, a year the year later. Hmm. So I didn't get to see that one in theaters either. My parents thought it was a passing fancy with me with dinosaurs. I didn't realize I would end up being as big a fan as I have become. Ah, <laughs> yes, I was. Uh, I was only ten when Jurassic Park came out, and I didn't go and see it. Although I told everyone at school that I had, I had the uh, juvenile T Rex. I used to carry around with me everywhere, and. Uh, one day I got called out for not seeing it, and I think I spent the day crying at, <laughs> in the back of the classroom. So <laughs> that's uh, that's my experience with Jurassic Park. I know the uh, my father did buy the VHS tape of it later on, um, and that thing got played to death. So uh, definitely seen it lots of times, lots of times. The novel? Yeah. Uh, my aunt first introduced me to the novel when I when. I was about twelve or thirteen. She's the one that introduced me to the franchise when I was a when I was a toddler. She had she also had the VHS, and I played that thing so often. Every time I visited her house, she actually said, "Well, okay, do you want to watch a movie? Anything that's not Jurassic Park or <laughs> Star Wars?" Yes, that's a that was a uh, that sounded very familiar. <laughs> I suppose we can touch briefly on the book as well. I remember reading the book. Uh, it was probably 95, 96 as well. Um, luckily, by then, The Lost World had also come out in novel form, so I could go from one straight into the other. Personally, I do veer towards The Lost World as being a better novel, in, in my opinion, but uh, I know 
especially considering a lot of the backstory. Michael Crichton not wanting to write a uh, sequel novel. Um, Spielberg urging to, and then uh, throwing most of the material away for the movie that we'll get into. <laughs> did you get your hands on the Lost World novel and have a look at it? I did, yes. I, my aunt had the large print edition for it, and honestly, I'm going to say, I'm going to disagree with you. I think the first novel was actually better than the second. I feel like the second novel somewhat rehashes the first in the way that it's paced. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that, like the movie, the second novel is more tonally, more darker, more horrific. It, it, it's more dangerous, if that makes sense. Yeah, yep. Yeah, no fences this time. I suppose we can just go into a bit more about ourselves. Mm-hmm. My name's Brad Mull. I've been uh, podcasting for about five years now, uh, either guesting on uh, shows or hosting my own. Jurassic Park is my number one franchise. That's that's my jam. That's what I love talking about, hence why uh, we're here for the sequel. I live in a little town in the northeast of Victoria in Australia, uh, about 1,200 people. So that's all probably also why we didn't get to go and see Jurassic Park because we're about 40, 40 miles in uh, your lingo to uh, the nearest cinema centre. So we don't, get, well, we don't normally go to town to uh, see a lot of films. It's a special occasion. I didn't. I had the juvenile T Rex when I was young. I don't. I know I had Tim, and I know I had Alan, and I know I had Ellie. They're sort of lost to the sands of time now, but uh, I do definitely remember that juvenile Rex. I've still got it. Uh, the dog took its foot and a hand, <laughs> but um, it's still it's still uh, here in my collection. Well, it sounds like your uh, T Rex toy has a bit of dino damage. <laughs> very true, very true. Just not in the right spots. No. David, tell us a bit about yourself. I'm a 23-year-old journalist from southwest suburbs of Chicago, Illinois, in the U.S. net of May. And I started collecting as a child as well. I've been uh, doing podcasts since I did the Jurassic Park Legacy podcast a couple of times. I wasn't there for every one of them, but I did try to be there for most of them. And as for my collecting habits, mostly the Lost World when I was a kid, if I could. But I was eight when Jurassic Park 3 came out. So that's where I got most of my toys when I was a a child of that age. But of the Lost World toys I had, I had had the basic Velociraptor toy, the Cyclops Raptor, the Eddie Carr figure... They came with the little tricer- baby Triceratops. I had a couple of the Matchbox toys, the Rex Rumble one, for example, and the one that came with uh, Dieter Stark. And I also had the big package, the one, the Head Rammer one. They pressed the button. Oh, and yeah. And, yep, yep. and the remote con- oh, and the remote control Stegosaurus and the remote control Mercedes as well. Mm-hmm. But that was about the extent of my. The Lost World toys growing up, unless I went to a friend's house, she had tons of Jurassic Park and the Lost World and Chaos Effect toys there. So we always played Jurassic Park whenever we hung out. There's always that uh, that friend you want to go and visit because they've got more toys than you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, very good. Okay, so before we get into The Lost World, we're going to uh, briefly look at the trailer. Um, 
There's only the one trailer that came out for it, running time of uh, two minutes and 20 seconds. David, if you want to uh, press play when I say so, and we'll watch it. All right, sure. Okay, three, two, one, play. No approval rating yet, although I think it was PG-13 over there, wasn't it? Engine headquarters. Engine headquarters. Your ex footprint, we've seen that before. Malcolm's back. It definitely has a different look to um, Nubbler. That's right. <laughs> the one line machine. I need you to send rescue immediately. A lot of running from dinosaurs. Just sort of looking at the theme of the trailer too, it's definitely a lot more action packed than what the Jurassic Park trailer was. Yeah, it is. What is it? I can't recall if that line's from the novel or not. I don't know if he says that. Novel. The Steven Spielberg film, it's back again. Interesting that well. it opens up on the old Universal MCA logo when, in 1997, we'll see this later, the... the uh, logo that they used as the first time they ever the Universal ever used that new logo was with the Lost World Jurassic Park. Oh, very nice. Because I know there was um, some of those tentpole movies where they changed it. Um, I think Back to the Future Three, they um, mm-hmm. they changed it up again as well. Interesting trailer. Now, sort of trying to forget what you know about the franchise coming out of Jurassic Park. Um, where would you expect the sequel to go? Would you? expect the second island would you think maybe okay we're going back to the old Jurassic Park I think that if I were watching this trailer in 1997 I would have very much assumed that it was a army takeover of Isla Nublar and that they're going to try to exterminate the dinosaurs and that a lot of the a lot of the TV spots actually talked about how one group goes there to hunt the other group goes there to research and that was basically the setup from the very beginning. The pitch that Spielberg gave to Crichton was hunters versus researchers. Because I remember seeing YouTube comments saying that back in 1997, they thought the army was trying going to take over the island. Well, that's and, sort of how, how the Jurassic Park novel ended. Uh, yeah. The Costa Rican military coming in and pretty much carpet bombing the island to uh, uh-huh. so the animals don't get out. But... Uh, Looking at this trail, it looks like no, they're going to go in and either they're using tranquilizer darts, so they're not just mowing them down. My first exposure to the Lost World um, was in the local newspaper uh, movie section in there, and they had there was three photos. There was um, Nick holding the T Rex and Sarah trying to open the door of the RV, 
Um, there was Peter Ludlow sitting down or squatting down, looking at the compy through to the cage. And I think it was uh, when the Stegosaurus first crossed the stream and the three are sort of standing in front of him or beside him. And after, well, at the time, I was still, I think I was on my second or third reread of the novel, um, just trying to picture what those scenes or what those photos were from the book. Obviously, the trailer scene uh, was an easy one, but I, I thought at the time Ludlow was uh, Richard Levine. And uh, for some reason, he'd captured a compy and maybe taken it home. <laughs> and I couldn't remember any stegosaurs being in the novel, so I was sort of a little bit clueless as to what was going on. I kind of wonder if that, uh, Spielberg took the stegosaurus not, uh, scene from the movie and took it from the novel where the first time Sarah Harding washes up on the shore of Eastwood's on that riverbank there after she's pushed off the boat by Dodson is that the first thing she sees is Stegosaurus. Mm. So I kind, of, I kind of get the impression that that's where Spielberg got that from. It's interesting how they sort of look at past ideas from the novel and then sort of change them. A lot of, a lot of people say that uh, the aviary scene or the river scene in Jurassic Park 3 is taken directly from the first novel, where, yes, the idea's there, but the scenes are completely different. Yeah, um, but it, it is just good to see him going back and mining the original novels for uh, ideas. And I, I do... I do uh, well, I did hope that they'd uh, use more from the Lost World novel than what they did in the film. Yeah. Like Spielberg, he's, he'd said that this was going to be his last one and he really wanted to do Dinosaurs in the City, so that's where we go with the uh, the final act. But, um, yeah, it's just interesting that he sort of campaigned Crichton to write the screenplay or write the second novel and uh, decide not, we're not going to do a large majority of it. Um, mm-hmm introducing like completely removing the dogs and bias and parts of it introducing engine and going into a harvest harvest their their animals their assets i never quite got the gatherers versus hunters hunters versus gatherers or whatever they called it because technically they're both or ingens both hunter and gatherer like as you said earlier researchers sounds a lot better for malcolm's team a lot of the where the and this is where a lot of the canon separation ideas come from is, the, is during an interview, Crichton said uh, of The Lost World, well, Spielberg made his movie and I wrote my book and there's supposed to be two very different animals. Yep. That's kind of where the idea of respecting, Crichton, of respecting Crichton's uh, vision that the novels and the movies are separate timelines. Mm. Right. Yeah, and it's just sort of interesting where Crichton was at the time. Um, I was absolutely floored uh, yesterday. I learnt that he um, actually come on for ankles two weeks to uh, pen pen something for Jurassic Park Three, mm-hmm. but ended up telling the studio, "No, I can't do it. It's not not really something I can do." And sort of back by '97, he'd uh, he'd written Congo, he'd uh, done Sphere, and sort of he wasn't happy with the way they are adapted into movies either. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, another one of my favourites, he penned uh, Twister as well, sort of the screenplay for that. Yes, I didn't know that. I love Twister. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was screenplay, but he was definitely involved in there somewhere um, oh. with with story or concept. So that, that was that was very good to see as well at the time. Um, that sound very quite nasty. 
No, no. So you can imagine a lot probably got changed in rewrites or <laughs> or something like that. I mean, like the basic premise of Twister being man versus nature, you know? Mm. It was a very big theme with Jurassic Park and the Lost World. Yeah, yep. For the upcoming show format, uh, we're going to try and get two episodes out per week, being on different sides of the world, getting together and recording a couple episodes at a time. Uh, we're going to see how that goes, but at bare minimum, we are going to get one uh, episode out per week to you, the listeners. The minutes we're looking at uh, is off the Region 4 DVD that I've uh, ripped to a file. It has a runtime of two hours and eight minutes, which is going to be a total of 208 episodes, ideally. I'm not sure. I haven't uh, finished listening to any of the other minute-by-minute podcasts. I'm not exactly sure what happens during the end credits because they are, uh, there's not a lot to talk about there. <laughs> um, we might also, if we do get time, we'll throw in some bonus shows along the way do more in-depth looks at Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park 3, and maybe Jurassic World as well. Maybe even the upcoming fifth sequel or fourth sequel. We are starting this at a very good time because production's about to start filming in Hawaii for Jurassic World 2 or untitled Jurassic Park World sequel. So we're going to see a lot of news over the course of uh, this show. So, And we probably will go into the uh, release next year. Until then, thanks for listening, everyone. David, anything else you want to add before we go? I don't know, right now. Right now? Lovely. Contact details, you can find the website, thelostworldminute.com. Email address is thelostworldminute at gmail.com. Facebook page, The Lost World Minute, and uh, Twitter, at The Lost World Minute. And David, what's our Instagram? Instagram again is The Lost World Minute. Easy to remember. Very easy. Yep, All, all flows. Very nice. Okay, so that has been the introduction to our podcast. And uh, stand by, and in the coming weeks, we'll start getting into minute one, and uh, we'll get this movable feast on the way. So until then, I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And we'll talk to you all later. Bye-bye. Bye. Half an hour from now, John Hammond's dream reimagined will come true. For one one-hundredth the cost of building a destination resort thousands of miles away, I believe I've spent enough time in the company of death. Tonight we'll christen Jurassic Park San Diego with a mega attraction that drives Townstown on the side of anything in Park. Thank you. that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, life 